Hey, it's Chris Jones with The Jones Zone, and this episode of the podcast is brought to you by The Jones Zone at Keller Williams Realty. That's right. We sponsor our own podcast. So if you know of anybody looking to buy, sell, rent, or invest in residential real estate in the Charlotte, Rock Hill, Fort Mill area, have them connect with us on their favorite platform. Enjoy the show. It's Chris and Brian Jones, your real estate advocates, community connectors, talking Charlotte and York County area real estate, and interviewing business owners, entrepreneurs, and community leaders. Welcome to the Jones Zone Podcast. All right, count me down. Three, Three, two, two one, hit it. Hey, welcome to the Jones Zone Podcast. Brian, you didn't interrupt me when I was in. I'm done me. with that whole shtick. He always interrupts me, so I'm just like letting you do it. I'm let, I'm, I count you down, you interrupt me, you interrupt me. It's all this good. is a sad day. You got no more fight left in me. No, I don't. <laughs> I do not. Well, good. We can get right to it then. Um, all right, so today we are joined... Let me ask you this. Uh, you know, I really can't stand it when you interrupt Let me, me ask the guest. What? Okay, I'm, I've been thinking about this a lot. The Jones Zone podcast as a title or the House of Jones? We've come too far. We're not going to change we it. We haven't come too far. The House of Jones. House of Jones. Like it's House real estate Jones? related. <laughs> it's it's catchy. Mm. You've been outnumbered, my friend. I'll think about I'll, it. We might we'll, have to take this to a vote. We'll run it by the board. Yeah, we'll run it by the board. All um, right. Well, today... We are here with David Brody, the founder and CEO of the North Carolina Military Veterans Hall of Fame. That's a mouthful. That is. The North Carolina Military <laughs> The North Carolina Military Veterans Hall of Fame strives to honor and recognize the valor, achievement, and service of our beloved state's proud veterans. They educate and inspire the state's youth and communities to humbly appreciate the true sacrifice of American freedom throughout their lives. David Brody, welcome to the Jones Zone. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Notice I said the Jones Zone. Yeah, welcome to the House of Jones podcast. No, no we're not doing that. We haven't run about a board yet. All right. <laughs> well, David, that was a brief introduction and kind of uh, the mission statement of, of what you guys do. But if you don't mind, share a little bit of your personal story, some of your uh, professional background, and then how you got into doing the NCMV. H-O-F. That's, uh, that's not quite a mouthful, but <laughs> we'll take it. Uh, first of all, like I said, I want to say thank you all for having me at the House of Jones. All, that, the, Jones uh, yes. all the Jones on. Uh, I really do appreciate it. Uh, just to share a little bit of history about myself. Uh, I'm originally, uh, originally a North Carolinian uh, out of Anson County. Uh, a little small country. Anson. Yeah. We so, ride by there on the way to the beach. Yeah, absolutely. Is that where uh, Randy Travis is from? No, he's from Marshville. Mar- yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Marshville. But however, uh, I, I enlisted into the military in the Army uh, back in 1984. And uh, my first duty station being Fort Bragg, North Carolina. How old are you, if you want me asking? I am 52 years old. You just got to do the math, man. Right? He, he does not look 52, though. Uh, no, he, no. He looks 35. <laughs> Uh, body sales different. Yeah, body sales. <laughs> I feel 60. Yeah. And so uh, I'm at the first duty station with Fort Bragg. And uh, from Fort Bragg, I then went on to, well, for a while at Fort Bragg, I started in the 82nd Airborne Division, uh, home of the paratroopers. Yes. And uh, Brian knows a little bit about that, but I've uh, been he served time at Pope Air Force Base. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, but no then, hope, Pope. 
That's what Old Pope. That's what that was called. great. That was great. But uh, we enjoyed uh, my time there. And then eventually we ended up uh, venturing overseas to Munich, Germany. Uh, did uh-huh. a three-year tour over there. And from there, uh, moving on to back stateside to Redstone Arsenal, Alabama. And from Alabama, then went into the luxury job of the recruiting field. Oh, mm. wow. Yeah, so we did that down in, in Florence, South Carolina. How did that how did that go? Uh, did you like it? It was great. It yeah. was great. It was great. Uh, <coughs> it gave you opportunity to get out and to have a, a, a positive impact on, on young kids. You know, to try to show them a way. If you're not going to school, then there's, there's, still, there's still another option. And then you find out a lot of kids that want to go to school but don't have the finances to do so. So the uh, recruiting piece, uh, whether you went into the Air Force, Navy, Marines, or Army, there's still an avenue for you to be able to get your education and still learn a, uh, a skill and uh, also get paid. So it worked out real good, real good. So I did that for three years. And from there, I moved over to the land of Korea. <clears throat> Korea? Yeah. Awesome. Where where, where, uh, where part of Korea? Uh, Camp Weejambu. Whoa, which okay. is Camp Casey, okay. uh, second ID, and there we uh, we uh, served there for a, a, a one year tour, and upon leaving there, I moved uh, back stateside to Fort Jackson, South Carolina, and from there back to Fort Bragg, and where I eventually uh, had the distinct pleasure of deploying to Kuwait. What, what Kuwait? What part? What ba- what what? Where, I was at Ali Asalim. We was at the main hub when you first go into Kuwait. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and, and so we were there for a period of 30 days. Then we moved into uh, uh, Iraq uh, just on a, on a, on a uh, recon mission. I uh, wasn't there long in Iraq, but uh, I, I must say it was an experience. Uh, so I was there we, for five months back in 2009. Okay, yeah. okay. Balad. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely a different experience. Already. Yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, we were there, uh, uh, we were the, one of the first to go over. Uh, okay. 2003. 2003. Yeah. yeah, so you were, right, okay. Yeah. And of course, you know, we didn't have all the luxuries that you all had mm-hmm. at that time because uh, we were just trying to get yeah. things on the ground. Like bare base, basically. Exactly, yeah. exactly. <clears throat> so, but I mean, I must say it was, it was an experience. Uh, upon returning to Bragg, uh, uh, I was there approximately, i say six months back at Bragg from deployment, and then I had received orders uh, to deploy to Fort Hood, Texas for a year and train with a, what we call a, a combat unit, and then turn around and go right back to Kuwait. I had 21 years, so I said, enough is enough. Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, that ended my, my military career, <clears throat> active duty. So upon retiring from Fort, from, uh, Fort Bragg, uh, I started my own company, which is called Brody Enterprise Incorporated, which is a remodeling and renovation company. Did a lot of uh, construction down in the Fort Bragg area, Fayetteville area, uh, to include work on Fort Bragg and many other places. And then in 2007, uh, we moved here to Charlotte and still doing what I do now, uh, the renovation piece, but still wasn't satisfied with, with the way my life was going. 
because when you leave a military installation or that branch of service or that, let's just say that service-connected relationship, you have a tendency to feel a void. Yeah. Yes. Yes, and, I've and, been very vocal about that. Yeah. I, I mean, I, like I say, if you if you don't understand the uh, camaraderie, yes. then you'll never, you, you'll never be able to understand it. Because it is great to be able to come out in the civilian sector and be able to talk with another uh, service member and automatically you connect. Yeah. It's, it's, just, it's just that mutual respect. You know, it doesn't matter what branch of service uh, because we all serve the same mission. So, uh, even just a few minutes ago when you were talking about, you know, going to Iraq, that immediately I was like, oh, okay, what part? What, okay, yeah, well, you went yeah. to Kuwait. Oh, where? I was, I was here. I was here. I was there. Mm-hmm. Oh, did you know him? No. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's an affinity that we have with, the, with one another. It is. It is. It is. And so, like I said, I mean, I still had a void that, 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 that needed to be fulfilled. So I can, I began to, to, to pray about. You know, God, you know, whatever it is that you have me to do, let it be known. So in 2014, I started a nonprofit called My Veterans Keeper. A lot of people say My Brother's Keepers, but mm-hmm. it's My Veterans Keeper, which was aimed to support veterans and family members with financial crisis, homelessness, and things of that nature. Uh, it's a more of a service. So we did that for about two years, uh, and it's still active today as well and but there are so many so-called veteran organizations that does that that you really don't feel that the veterans are still getting the services that they need so I continue to pray about it and and I say you know we, we have got to find a better way to be able to honor our veterans and the idea hit me uh, one year ago as I was watching the pro football induction ceremony for the Hall of Fame. And that's when it said, hey, that is the way. So upon doing that and seeing that, uh, I began to do research and find out were there any other Veterans Hall of Fame within the country or the state or wherever. And came upon there were eight other states that currently has a Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And I immediately reached out to the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame and began to ask questions and inquire about how they do it, you know, what does it take, and things of that nature. And in doing so, uh, the founder of that Hall of Fame said that, first of all, you need to find out if there's any type of museum or, or Hall of Fame that's already listed for the state of North Carolina. So I did research through the, through the uh, Secretary of State. I found out that it was, it wasn't. So I immediately claimed the name, did the Articles Incorporation, uh, applied for the five hundred one c three, and here we are. Here you are. Here we are. Well, let's get back to that in a minute. I just have okay. a couple questions for okay. you. So, for anyone who doesn't know, what is a paratrooper? What do they do? A paratrooper is an individual that is projected uh, from a particularly good aircraft while in flight. Yeah. <laughs> and what are the missions most of the time? Well, a mission is like say you you are low, you're you're flown over a enemy territory and then you are dropped in behind enemy lines and things of that nature. All right. So do you have By any uh, cool stories about that that you're allowed to share? Oh, yeah, hey, I'm not allowed to tell you. Yeah, I can tell you, but I have to kill you. <laughs> 
No, I mean, I mean, I must say it, it was definitely an experience. I remember first going through jump school down at Fort Benning, Georgia. And uh, I'm going to say that you go through three weeks of hellacious training. Yeah. That's okay for me to say that. Of course. Uh, yeah. And upon your third week, uh, what they call, where you got ground week, jump week, no, ground week, tower week, and jump week. And jump week being this when you do, you have to exit the aircraft five good times in order to graduate. So, in the process of going through jump week, uh, that Monday, that Tuesday, it rained the whole entire time. But you had to get five jumps in in order to be able to graduate. And they don't care if it's raining or not. They don't. Yeah. You know, but they do, but, yeah, but okay. the thing is, is that even that Wednesday, it rained. And we were supposed to graduate on that Thursday. So... About noon on the Wednesday, the rain finally stopped. So we had to do three jumps that Wednesday. Then we had to do two on that Friday, on that Thursday. Before graduation. Before graduation. And I would say, the first time I went up, your heart is in your, <laughs> yeah. in your stomach. And I mean, just the adrenaline. I mean, I mean, it's a rush. It's a rush. And you get up, check your equipment, do all the stuff that you that you were taught to do, and then you stand in there with your static line in your hand, looking at this little one little red light and one little green light. And when that green light, when that light green light hits, it's like a water slide. <laughs> you you got to go because, especially if you if you were you're the first person in the door, you get to see all this going on, <clears throat> waiting. There's no way out, man. I would. Oh. You will love it. You will love it. I guarantee you. Because, I mean, I, I don't know if you've ever been, like, bungee jumping. I have been bungee jumping one time at Myrtle Beach, and those idiots, they had my rope too too long. My foot hit the trampoline thing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I could have died. I could have snapped my leg in half. Wow. Did you do any of that uh, paratrooping in Korea or Iraq? No, I didn't do any of there. Uh, I only did it at, uh, at Fort Bragg. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, man, I admire the military people like that. Like, firefighters, police, military. Mm -hmm. I don't see how anyone can give them grief. It make, it's really sad. Like, the yeah. stuff that, that you guys do is, is, is amazing, man. Thank you for your service. Yeah, I appreciate so I had that. So I had to bring that back. I mean, jumping out of airplanes, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's like, jeez, yeah. man. Yeah. Um, and then your time as a recruiter. I mean, what did you find so fulfilling about that? I mean, you talked about how you can help impact lives and, and then also how did you overcome I guess stereotype might not be the right word but how did you get people to trust you and embrace what you were doing and not see you as just Mr. Recruiter you know what I mean tell the truth yeah tell the truth okay and then what get, did you get involved in the, and get involved in the community okay you gotta build that trust did you get a lot of example? Like, did, did you? What are some instances where you built the trust and then the person joined and you know, it was a successful versus you know, uh, where you, an instance where you really had to work hard at building somebody's trust. Well, uh, really, when you first get there, I mean, you don't know what to expect um, because you always have the fear of rejection, and you know you do have a quota that you do have to meet, and I mean. They always say, you know, 
if you don't meet your quota, this is that going to happen, whatever, whatever, whatever. But however, the thing is, like I say, when you get out into your community, you get out into your schools, you, you have you have got to be seen. You have got to be noticed. And the things that I did to, to get involved in the community was that I started being assistant coach with the basketball team, oh. the football team, uh, the colleges, things of that nature. And I mean, it's it's a it's a long job. It's a, it's a it's a long day. It's a long day. But however, I must say, doing that 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 time, I did have the luxury of being able to coach some of the NFL players. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you know John Abraham. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 He yeah, played coached, at USC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I coached him. Uh, Levar. Uh, what's his name? Levar. Kirkland. Okay. He was he was already in in the NFL when I got on recruiting, but he came back to visit and stuff like that. So he had a lot of interaction with a lot of NFL players, uh, NBA players, and it was great. And so basically, by being in the community and and doing things and volunteering, uh, it built that trust. I mean, it got so good as to where. Uh, the principal gave me an office in the school. <laughs> really? Oh yeah. wow! Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> That's pretty good. I mean, it's it's coming to the end of your high school career is pretty scary, you know. So yeah, it's good that people have options and that they can go to someone they trust to really talk about those options, mm-hmm. what they are. All right, so let's come back to the Hall of Fame. So now you've started it, you've you've launched it, you've got your articles of corporation and all that. What's kind of the next step that you did to grow this thing? Well, where we're currently at now, like like I told you, is that we are currently accepting nominations uh, through November 30th uh, for individuals to be selected by an independent selection committee. Uh, it has any, not have anything to do with the board of directors. It's, an independent selection committee is a group of other veterans throughout the state of North Carolina that will rate your packet, your nomination packet, on a scale of one to five. And then once they rate it, then they will send it back to us, and then that's who determine who gets inducted in May of 2018. And that'll and be we, the first class. That'll be the first and the first class. Yeah. And we're looking for a, a huge, a huge attendance at that time. Yeah. And I, I really do believe that we will get that. How many people are you guys looking to induct in this first class? Uh, well, we're we're saying fifteen, uh, fifteen inductees, but it could get as high as twenty five. And, and then the same for each year. Well, the 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 years following, we would do up to fifteen. Uh, we want to do the first one because of the the newness of it. Yeah. Uh, and and by it being the first one, and we and all Medal of Honor recipients, uh, they are automatically inducted. Oh, okay. That's good. Yes. Yeah, they're automatically inducted. And right now, you guys are living on the internet. But what are the plans for the future? Are you guys gonna have a brick and mortar type of museum, Hall of Fame, physical place? Yes. Yes, we are. Uh, hopefully and prayerfully that we will be able to uh, have a brick and mortar facility uh, in Uptown Charlotte uh, within twenty-four to thirty-six months. Because uh, currently, what we're doing now is that we're doing the capital campaign to raise funds to to gather funding from via corporate donors fundraising 
grants, things of that nature, uh, to to put this facility uptown Charlotte. So hopefully, like I say, within 24 to 36 months, we should be able to do that. And uh, and in doing so, uh, we will be the standard barrier for other states that may want to follow after us. Because the other states in, that, that has the Veterans Hall of Fame, they're Internet Hall of Fames. They are online? Yes. And, and that's it, uh, with the exception of Georgia. Georgia just uh, got their physical location probably two, maybe two or three years ago. But the thing about theirs is that it's in the state capital. Mm-hmm. So you really don't have the public access. So we want to be where we can have it uptown Charlotte, in the footprint of Charlotte, where you get foot traffic and everything else. Plus, we wanted to be an educational tool to inspire our youth and our communities about the stories of the heroes that served during that time and to gain that public access uh, without any restrictions. So, and the idea behind the, the Hall of Fame is to You think about professional athletes, they get paid millions of dollars to go out and perform on a, to perform on a high level. And when their career is over, whether they be 30 or 35 or whatever, you know, they're already financially set. And they have a chance to be selected to go into the Hall of Fame of their respective sports, whether it be football, basketball, NASCAR, whatever. But you think about it for veterans. Our playing field is a whole lot different. Our weapon of choice is a whole lot different. And our sacrifice is a whole lot greater. Some have paid the ultimate sacrifice. Mm -hmm. But where do our stories and our legacies go after we die? It stays with your family. It may go in the box in the attic. It's very true. And what good is it doing? How is it helping the community? Yeah, but you got athletes. Their their accomplishments, their five NBA rings, their their stats. It lives on long after their demise. Yeah, where do ours go? Right to the graveyard with us. Yeah. How has the veteran community responded to your mission? I mean, I, I assume they're everybody's really supportive and excited, right? Yeah, it's very. They're they're very receptive. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, the governor, uh, Governor Roy Cooper, supports it, and uh, he's in the process of doing a proclamation for us to recognize us as such. And the mayor of Charlotte, Miss uh, Jennifer Roberts, has issued us a proclamation uh, at the ribbon cutting ceremony, uh, naming August third as North Carolina Military Veterans Hall of Fame Day, and I mean it's it's it's, it's a very very. Uh, Worthy cause and it's long past due. Yeah, long past due. So tell us about August third. That was a big day for you. It sounds like. Oh man, it was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, the really the most awesome thing about August third is a ribbon cut ceremony. Other than cutting the ribbon itself, was to see a ninety-three year old World War Two veteran, uh, three-time Purple Heart recipient. Jeez, three times. Being able 
to be in the color guard and walk in with that U.S. flag. Mm-hmm. That moment there set the mood for the rest of the ceremony. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't not have <clears throat> gratitude and appreciation when you see something like that going yeah. down. Especially with the greatest generation World yes. War II, you know. Yes. And then in addition to that, at the ceremony, we read off every name that was a Medal of Honor recipient for the state of North Carolina that was accredited to the state of North Carolina. It was 33 names. So 33, all right, speak to me in layman's terms. Say, what, what was Medal that? Medal of Honor recipients. Over the course of the thir- wars. Yeah. yeah. Wars. 33. 33, that's accredited to the state of North Carolina. Yeah. Jeez, man. <clears throat> so why? What? What made you decide Charlotte? It- well, we look at the the veteran population, and Huge. also we look at where would it gain most access. Where where can we gain most access? Now, I must say that Raleigh, uh, Fayetteville, and Wilmington were all in the equation. But looking at the veteran population for the state, Charlotte has the biggest veteran population for the state. And plus, like I say, if you do Fayetteville, you got Fort Bragg. Mm-hmm. So you already have a military presence right. there. And then plus they have many museums there already. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Raleigh is not that far from Fort Bragg. Probably about an hour. So that was kind of a... The same kind of traffic, yeah. yeah. So we want to put it somewhere we could get a, a lot of traffic. <clears throat> and, and also in an area where there's nothing here. There's nothing here. Hmm. How has this re-inspired you? I mean, you you mentioned earlier about getting into remodeling homes and doing construction and having that void in your life. How has your new mission jump-started you and reinvigorated your life? It makes you feel good because you're doing something to help a fellow veteran. Yeah. It gives you, you a purpose. It's like, it gives you a purpose. A purpose, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. We because have a friend over at a Veterans Path Up named Ken Lacey. Mm-hmm. You familiar with I'm, Ken? Yeah, I know Ken, yes. Good stuff. Yep. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, I just talked with Ken not too long ago uh, at an event we had in Charlotte and uh, shared the information with him, and he, he's, he's, he's with it. He's yeah. with it. We've got a cool project going on at Westminster Towers. you want to tell them what that is? Yeah, so Westminster Towers has... Do you know what that is, Westminster Towers? I heard of it. It's, it's like a... It's a retirement community. Yeah. In Rock Hill, hmm. uh, well, they have they have how many veterans do they have? I think she said thirteen. Thirteen World was two yeah, thirteen was sticking out. And we're Chris and I are going to actually be interviewing the veterans, and we're going to have them share their story, and um, hopefully get it that they're they're wanting to get it into a book as well. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, we're we're starting that next. I think next week. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. we were awesome. supposed to start the other day, but you know. Schedule conflicts, but yeah, we're super excited to be involved with that. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Because, like I say, I mean, every soldier has a story to tell, and nobody can tell you a story better than you. Yeah. Well, they. I mean, they. It was a little. It was kind of like what you talked about. You know, these. They were like, you know, what? What if we made audio interviews and then turn it into a book? We could give it to the family members, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. or even maybe sell it and use some of the, you know, some of the the funds from that to give to other veteran organizations. And, mm-hmm. So it's really neat, man. Like imagine, you know, giving a grandson or great grandson a a story about their 
Absolutely. Pawpaw or something. Because yeah, they don't, like you said, they don't, a lot of them, they don't come home and share their stories. They just kind of keep kinda, It was another day at the office kind of. Yeah. You know, yeah. and back then, there was like, you know, it's the John Wayne generation. They're like, that. Yeah, ah. Right. But, <laughs> but, you know, you sit back and actually share it. Mm-hmm. And you know, it could do a lot of good. You know, just inspire people, and you know, just let let your family know of stuff you did. You know, while you served. Mm-hmm. And see, one thing that that we're hoping that we do also is that be the uh, we'll, we'll bridge the gap between this generation and the millennials. You know, the millennials have a different way of being able to uh, express their concern about the military, as opposed to what we do as. Uh, Vietnam veterans and Iraqi veterans, you know, in that time frame. So hopefully that'll be a, a be able to bridge the gap yeah. between that. Um, well, you guys are still in your infancy and you're still growing. How can people help you? And how are you guys? Well, what they can do is they can go to our website, which is uh, ncmvhof.org. dot org. N C N C N C N C M V M V H O F. North Carolina Military Veterans Hall of Fame uh, dot org and you can look on the nomination packet and it will give you all the information you need for the eligibility criteria and over to the left on the on the that page you have two documents one being the information sheet and the other being the actual form that you fill out to nominate someone uh, if you want to get involved like say there's a volunteer uh, tab on the website you just click on uh, put your information in and say how you'd like to volunteer. But most of all, we need two things. We need nominations and we need money. Yeah. And you can donate uh, via through the website. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, no, no, there's no such thing as a small amount because every amount helps. Mm-hmm. And, and, that's, and that's the key thing. You know, and, and doing uh, some strategizing with my board of directors. And, you know, the project for the, the Hall of Fame is going to be somewhere around a, a, a $35 million project. And if we just look at the people, say, in just in Charlotte, the Mecklenburg County area, if we were to get each person to donate $5, that will put a huge dent in what we're doing. And then you multiply that throughout the state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you got York County right around the corner mm-hmm. too. Yes, so, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah, good stuff, man. Well, David Brody, I appreciate you coming on. You got an amazing story. I pre- everything you're doing sounds awesome. Brian, any last words? No, just thanks questions. for coming on. Uh, you know, let us know how we can help you. Yes, uh, I would definitely do that. And like I say, money. Money and nominations. And nominations. <laughs> All right, uh, and donate and stuff like that. So, I mean, you know, if you will, if you guys want to do a fundraiser for us, let us know. Uh, that's something that, that yeah. you know, that's something we'll talk about, man. Okay. Um, That'd be cool. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. All right, David Brody, thank you for coming on the appreciate Joe you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. Thanks so much for listening to the Jones Zone podcast with Chris and Brian Jones. We'll catch you on the next episode.